Have you ever wondered why young people are leaving the church and how we can keep them in the church? The key isn't just bringing them to church, but how they can follow Jesus in a meaningful and passionate way. And my guest today on Your Source, Melinda Alyssa Espra, shares with me her thoughts because she's passionate about young people in the church, those that follow Jesus, responding to poverty, injustice, and brokenness in the world. And she says, that's the key. We also talk about the gift of lament, that we're not called to save the world because Jesus already did that, and her hope for young people all over the world. It's inspiring, encouraging, and you're not going to want to miss it. So welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. A speaker, a blogger, a writer, and communicator for Compassion Canada, a student and a youth leader at the Meeting House. Wow, girl, how do you do it all? How do you do all of this and still stay sane and come and do a podcast here? (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, I get that question a lot, but I think the biggest thing that people don't realize is that you know, to say yes to a bunch of good things, you have to say no to other things. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, people only see me when I'm doing those things and they only hear about those things. But what they don't see is me and my PJs on a Saturday, <laughs> right? So I think sometimes there's this myth of like, oh, super, super girl who does all these things. And I'm like, no, I, you know, when I'm not doing those things, I yeah. am, you know, in my PJs. So that's awesome. That's how I do it. <laughs> As a young woman, um, you know, and, and following Jesus, you know, what what are the highs, the good, and then the lows, the challenges of of doing all this and following Jesus, mm-hmm. you know, because a lot of people do this, but there's also that part of, I follow Jesus, and, you know, my life is to, to be about him. How does that work in all of what you do? Yeah, I think about that a lot because, you know, there's a lot of really amazing young women doing amazing careers, but it's um, rare to have a job that like asks you to engage your soul. Do you know what mm, I mean? And yeah. so, um, yeah, it is just a lot of kind of really digging deep and like to the word and prayer and just like every morning opening your hands and going like, Jesus, this is like, I have nothing. So this is you. Um, and yeah, just looking at like, it's the highs are, are amazing. Like the highs mm-hmm. are when you see people engaging with, um, Jesus and with others and, Um, For me, it's like with my work at Compassion, like seeing the beauty of where poverty and privilege meet and Mm -hmm. like the amazing things that happen there and um, the way that the spirit can work. Those are the highs and the lows are obviously the parts where you just wish that, you know, the the verse like the the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few. And you just wish that more people would catch that vision Mm -hmm. because it's so beautiful and so exciting. Uh, and they don't, and that those are the lows. Yeah. But Alyssa, why do you think people don't catch the vision? I mean, not everybody is to do specific work, like be a missionary, but everybody can be involved in helping to, you know, reduce poverty mm-hmm. and helping those on the margins. But why do you think people aren't maybe as engaged or as passionate as as you to see the world and do something about the world in that way? Man, I think it's so easy to just get distracted by mm. everything else around us, right? Like, I I do it. I mean, like, by no means am I the poster child. Um, it's just so easy to kind of go, 
what's next in life. And I think often as, as something I hear a lot is, you know, when I have a stable career, yeah. I'll start doing that or when I get married or when the kids grow up or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, if you're always waiting for that next life stage, once you get there, you'll be waiting for the next life stage. And it's just so easy to get caught in the what's next, you know, getting busy, like school, work, whatever it might be. Um, yeah, it's so easy to just barrel through and forget um, that we're called to a greater mission as Christ mm-hmm. followers. Now, you know, what I love about you is you are a young woman and you follow Jesus. I love that. But not a lot of young people want to follow Jesus or they look at church, religion as something that is, you know, sort of this antiquated belief or not relevant or doesn't doesn't represent my values today. What would you say to them? Um, because you've you've chosen this mm-hmm. path, um, but a lot of you know kids don't, or they do. They start off in youth group and then they f- sort of fall away. Uh, what's kept you? And what would you say to you know young people who are like, man, it's 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 not something that's relevant today for me. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's because of the way that we've conceptualized church in so many ways. Um, I think young people are very passionate and they want to be part of something that's bigger than themselves Mm, Um, and they want to be part of something that is going to impact the world and for much of the early church and much of the church history that would be describing the church you know the church (laughs) is a social movement the church is impacting the world the church is about reaching to the margins and reaching to um, different places around the world and in our own communities that's the church. We've just kind of lost that vision mm. in in some ways. And so I think that's why um, young people leave the church is because they see those exciting social movements elsewhere. And they're like, I, I want to be a part of that. I don't want to be part of this stuffy religion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I would encourage young Christians to go, if, if you're looking for that, your faith has everything to do with that. The church is that place and you can make it that place. So Lead that. Lead yeah. that in your church. And you talk about young people doing that, but what about older, more mature people who are just a few years ahead of you? You know, what can we do in in the church? Um, and when I say church, it's, you know, like the institution, the place. Mm-hmm. It's also the people. I know that. But what can we do to ensure this kind of sort of exciting social movement or a place where young people want to be, want to stay, want to grow, you mm-hmm. know, and develop in there? Yeah, I would say firstly, just don't don't be afraid of change. Um, mm, change that's big. Yeah, change is hard, and I get it. But um, you know, things will change, especially when younger leaders come um, come up and step up to lead. And I think that's huge. Is just like you know, if you are giving a platform to younger leaders, they might do some things that you don't like. They might (laughs) ask some questions that haven't been asked in a long time. Mm -hmm. Um, But to give that space because it's important. And the second thing is, yeah, to to make room for questions and to answer questions, hard questions. I think a lot of young people have questions of the church that just haven't been asked in a long time. And it's really easy to just brush those questions off and be mm-hmm. like, that. It's, it's just the way it's always been done or that's, you know, because, because mm-hmm. we said so. Uh, but it's, you know, <laughs> it's important to engage with those questions deeply mm-hmm. and have tough conversations and also know that we might not end up agreeing and that's okay. We yeah. might end up coming to different places on different things. And, and that needs to be okay. We still need to be family, even when some things don't always 
you know, generations don't land in the same place or different denominations don't land in the same place. We're still family. That's really wise because I think, you know, for older people, it's, you know, the fear that either we don't have the answers, uh uh-oh, because, you know, a lot of us, and even I think, you know, older than me, we were were brought up in, in a Christian culture where, you know, people would have an answer and that was it. And if you questioned it, it's like, you can't question your leader, authority, the pastor, because that is it. And so you kind of like believe that. Well, that was frustrating because it's like, I don't think so. Like what I read, what I see isn't that. And I think for older people, it's, it's a fear of like not having the right answer. And also the fear you're right of people agreeing to disagree or going off in another way. And so you can't, here it is, control, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, young people the way that, you know, you want. You know, I think for older people and parents, like we want to control them and keep them and we know what's best. And I think, you know, as a, as a parent, um, new parent, it is that. It's this constant, like, you know, you want to control their thoughts and their thinking and what they believe. So you kind of like this, but then you realize, wait a second, you know, they need to be free to explore and question and mm-hmm. figure out for themselves this this life with Jesus. I can't do that. I can I can kind of give them the best sort of advice and lead them and model, but eventually they have to make their own decisions. Yeah, and they will get to the most beautiful place in their faith when they mm-hmm. decide to take it on for themselves and decide to wrestle through it for themselves. Yeah, That's when they'll get to the most vibrant relationship with Jesus. And that would be the the pure, real relationship. Mm-hmm. It's not something that's been manipulated or controlled or forced upon them. Yeah. Right? That's when the real relationship is. Yeah, absolutely. Now, culturally, you know, I think what you're saying for many churches that are, that are churches that are um, within sort of a cultural, um, what would you say, like, not denomination, but like, say, a Filipino church or the Chinese or Korean church. I think I've heard this where there's a lot of struggle with those kinds of changes within church, how things should be, how they should dress, how should they should act, who they should marry, um, what they should do. Do you find that? I mean, that's not my context. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I would say that, you know, I think it it it, it manifests differently yeah. in every kind of different culture or denomination, but it is much of the same kind of um, – yeah, just, I mean, I feel like it's age old. I think every, like someone once told me they were like, every generation thinks they're the one that's like trailblazing yes. against the older generation, but every single one Boomers, of them Boomers, Gen Xers, yeah. Millennials, yeah, and Gen dead. <laughs> so it's, you know, like what, Shoot. what's new? Um, so yeah, I think it's, it's different. There are different contexts, but I think it is a lot of the same kind of, um, yeah, a lot of the same things that they're wrestling through just in different yeah different contexts. But I think that's really good, Alyssa, just to say, you know, we need to have hard discussions, good discussions, not be afraid, but to have them. Mm-hmm. I, I find, too, that some people just avoid it. Yeah. Because they know or they're projecting the outcome of, like, the kids are going to say this or they're not going to like this. But then it's like, how do we as family learn and grow together, have healthy discussions and disagreements and still stay family? I mm-hmm. think that's really key. Mm-hmm. It's great. You know, your heart is for, you know, I love how you talked about sort of bringing, you know, those in in poverty and those with privilege together. And you have this really, look at this, you're on the front of cover of this little booklet, um, True Story, What God Wants Us to Do About Poverty. It's a teen curriculum from Compassion Canada. Mm -hmm. Talk to me a little bit about this, because this is geared for young people. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah, so it's a youth resource. It's free for youth groups or people in any kind of youth ministry or youth work context. And the heart behind it really is to get 
teenagers and young people to understand the biblical narrative in the context of the poverty and brokenness they see in the mm. world today. And I think that's a huge thing is uh, the the world is so broken. There's so many awful and horrible things going on all around the world, and we can get it to our cell phone. Yeah. And those, I think that sparks a lot of hard questions among young Christians of just how could God allow this? Mm-hmm. What, you know, what, how am I following in a faith that, you know, has this good and loving God and this Jesus who wants to redeem and restore. And yet, what does that mean for a world where there's refugee crises and human trafficking and extreme poverty and all of that stuff? What, like, how do I reconcile these two things? And so that's really the heart behind this youth resources um, to dive deep into scripture, also look at practical realities in the world today and how we can respond and just say that, God has a plan. God wants to redeem this world, and he wants you to be a part of it. It's hard, though, because you're saying that, and we know it. We look on the news on you know, our cell phones, and we see all of this brokenness. But sometimes it's overwhelming, even for me. And where do you start? And you start becoming numb to it, and you just sort of say, I just won't watch the news anymore or mm-hmm. look at my Facebook feed anymore. You know What, what would you say? Because... There is a responsibility for us to help, but sometimes it gets very overwhelming and and it hard, like emotionally heart hurting hard mm-hmm. to take it all in. Mm-hmm. What do you do? Yeah, two things. I think the first thing is just to recognize that God gives us the gift of lament. And that's something that I've been mm. kind of wrestling with and discovering even in the past couple years of just knowing that Good. God is calling us to that, and sometimes things don't resolve in a way that we understand. Mm-hmm. And although he's, you know, not surprised or he's not like, oh my gosh, what's going on? He, his heart also breaks, and um, our hearts can break along with him. And he is okay with us sitting in that grief and that anger and that confusion. Um, he's not kind of scared of that and he wants to sit in that with us. So that would be the first thing is just to know that um, it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to be confused. And the second thing is just that we're not called to do everything. We're not called to save the world. Jesus already saved the Mm -hmm. world when he died on the cross. And so what we are called to is to take small steps to just look at what do we have in our hands. Like I often think of the boy with the Um, bread and the fish Mm -hmm. and when Jesus fed 5,000 like what do we have in our hands and all Jesus asks of us is to go like this and let go um, and offer it to him and it might be small and we might feel like this can't this can't possibly make a difference but though in those small steps uh, Jesus wants to do big things through them and so that's the next thing is just you know you're not called to do everything but everyone can do one thing or something that's good Uh, for young people um in say a family that aren't about this mm-hmm. what what's that one thing like what are very like very practical tangible things that people can do to start because sometimes it's just the starting mm-hmm. like maybe you're not in a church maybe you're just listening to this podcast and you're like yeah but am I, I'm not at a church my family is totally not there but mm-hmm. I have this in me and you're actually speaking the words that are deep in me they know that Mm -hmm. i i feel for the world this way what are really practical things where can you connect or where can you start yeah absolutely i mean 
everyone has something. That's that's what okay. I say. Everyone has something to give, something to contribute. And so if it starts with learning, just kind of mm-hmm. learning about what's going on in the world, yep. um, because you never know when all of that learning will become something where you can spring off into action. And so it can start there learning. The second thing is prayer. Like everyone Good. can pray. Yeah. Everyone can look at the world and say it's broken, but prayer makes a difference. Prayer changes things. Uh, prayer is powerful and this world is a spiritual battle mm-hmm. and prayer is a spiritual tool and so that's um that's a big one is prayer and then i mean everyone can take small steps what whatever that looks like in your context for some people you know like they want to get out there and volunteer but they don't have a ride or something mm-hmm. like that like that's tough but um you know where there's a will there's a way yep. firstly um and secondly <laughs> i mean it can look so different for everyone some for some people it's like a jar on their desk and anytime they have spare change they just toss the spare change into that jar and at the end of the year they look for somewhere to give give that money to um that's you know that takes not that doesn't take a lot and everyone can do that so something like that Alyssa, where did it start for you you know you're a young woman and you've already got all of these things that you're doing and and stories and travel but in your own personal story, where mm-hmm. did this all begin for you? And, and how did family influence this and other communities? And how did you get to this place where you are now? Yeah, absolutely. It started for me actually when I was quite young. I was in middle school and I read about Compassion Canada in a Christian youth magazine. So something like similar to this, I was just like Christian media and I read about Compassion Canada and I thought that is something that I, I would love to do. I would love to sponsor a child and just kind of have that connection around the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and you talk about kind of kids having parents that weren't 100% on board with something. I brought it to my parents. I was like, all I want for Christmas <laughs> is a sponsored child with compassion. And they were a little bit like, <laughs> what is that? Like, what does that mean? Um, definitely like not on board with it at first. But I am a very persistent child. (laughs) Um, And so eventually they they decided, yeah, we'll do it. I think maybe they were like, maybe she'll forget about it after a couple months. (laughs) You can cancel it kind of thing. Um, But yeah, so then they ended up sponsoring that child for me. And so... That that's a big thing too. I like I say that kids can inspire parents. Like mm-hmm. sometimes it's not always one way or the other. Yeah, it's good. Um, and my parents definitely started to catch a vision for it, and we ended up traveling to the Philippines where my parents were born uh, to visit the child that we had sponsored. Oh wow! Yeah, and from there, um, just totally, we're so impressed by the way that the local church was reaching out to children in poverty through um, Compassion's program in. Um, in the countries where we work and from there decided like yeah we can get on board with this so um, sponsored a second and then a third and a fourth child eventually and it snowballed from there and then started uh, volunteering with compassion and things like that but yeah it started with an article in a Christian magazine. You know what? I think that those things happen all the time to us. Mm -hmm. Like I think there are signs everywhere. You know how people are like God doesn't speak to me and I don't know what to do and I honestly as I've gotten older Alyssa if I look back at all the little signs that were happening, some of them I took, and that's why I'm doing the work I do now. Yeah. But other times I'm like, if I remember that, that was a clear sign. I was like, eh, that was an article, or eh, that was a song, or eh, that was just like a little speaker. But that sentence still I remember. Mm-hmm. you know. And I think that as we follow Jesus, and we're always like, he's not speaking to me. Because we think that he's going to speak in some weird, loud, audible voice every day. you know, Or he is going to write on the wall. And hey, listen, that could happen. Mm-hmm. 
But I think a lot of the times in our Christian faith, he speaks through people or little things or an article or a, like a poem or even something on a feed. Like there's all these times he's speaking. And I think that, you know, praying every morning to say, God, speak to me and help me see the mm-hmm. way you speak. Because there's so many ways. And I don't, and that's what I think I love about my life with Jesus is that he does that. And I'm like, oh my goodness, that was you. Yep, that was you. I clearly see that. Or that, you know, that encouragement or that song just at that time. Yep, that was it. That's what I needed. Or whatever it is, right? Mm -hmm. I think that we need to be more aware of that, Mm -hmm. um, that he's speaking all the time. Yeah, and sometimes we don't even realize the significance of something until way later. Like, I don't even remember which (laughs) article it was that I read about it. Or like, do you know what I mean? It. I don't. I didn't realize the significance of it back then, but now I like work for compassion. And I speak for compassion, <laughs> yeah. and it's like, where where did that come from? It yeah. came from an article that I couldn't even tell you, like I couldn't even tell you the title of it anymore. And I think too for organizations like that or people doing good work, you know, again, you never know where your article or your you know podcast or radio interview is going to go and how that's going to impact. Mm-hmm. I think that. There's a privilege, but a great responsibility in that kind of work you do. You know, everything that you put out there, everything you say, you know, somebody will hear and listen to, and and it could make a difference in, you know, the trajectory of their life one day. Yeah, absolutely. That's kind of overwhelming, especially for me in media. I'm like, ah, (laughs) yeah, okay. Because there are moments, listen, where I'm like, wow, you know, not that I'm overwhelmed, but there are moments where I finish like a podcast or a show and I'm like, oh my goodness. I understand the gravity of this work. And, okay, God, lead and guide me. Mm-hmm. You know, Holy Spirit, you know, speak and guide me each day because there is that responsibility. Yeah, absolutely. But that's amazing. I love that. That little article that somebody wrote in here yeah. is where you're at. Um, when I think about, again, you know, the work they do in poverty, um, you know, th- I think this kind of book is so helpful I, I really do. I think it's 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 a very practical way, and this is doesn't just have to be done in church, but this can be done within your family as well. Yeah, or a small group or anything like that. Yeah. And the hope of this, when you they finish, mm-hmm. what what do you want people after they they do this study to come out of this with? Yeah, I we want people to come out with a, a vision, like God's vision for His church reaching the world and impacting the world, being on mission. Um, and establishing the kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And it really is less of just like practical action steps and an entire lifestyle of just um, like like a kingdom lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And it's so hard to conceptualize that. And so we do give practical steps. One of them is sponsoring a child with compassion or getting plugged in with a local ministry that's um, involved with justice initiatives in, in your local community. But, you know, those are like the practical steps, but we always say like those are, those action steps are symptoms of a transformed life, uh, a transformed mm-hmm. life. And um, yeah, that's really what we're calling people to. So what you're saying, Alyssa, is when you know Jesus more and you're with him and, you know, you said earlier about just being open-handed, you know, each day you pray and open-handed. Those kinds of decisions aren't, they're hard, but they're easy in that you know that that's what you're to do. Mm-hmm. And you know that, you know, like, I I will never kind of pretend that this is um, 
easy at, in any way, shape, or form, that following Jesus is easy, following Jesus to the broken places of this earth, mm-hmm. not easy by any stretch of the imagination. And yet he calls us to abundant life and he calls us to, um, yeah, just the most exciting adventure possible. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't want to miss that for anything. And I wouldn't want to miss that because, um, because it was hard. Yeah. You know, that is so good because, you know, I think we've created a society of like, you know, these exciting, amazing, perfect lives on Instagram and and abundance is wealth and mm-hmm. all that. But that's not what it is. I think when I look at my life, you know, being adopted and then growing up as a missionary family, we didn't have a lot. But the abundance of relationship and joy and community serving alongside other missionaries in the Philippines you know, those are memories as a young child I will treasure forever. Mm-hmm. I mean, those have made a, an impact on my life in that way. And we didn't have a lot. But then we saw God use other people who were like, you know, you know, we're in Canada. And God just said, you need to send X amount of money this month. Or we needed to send a care package at this time. Mm-hmm. And on the other side of the world, we didn't, you know, have food. Or we needed money for certain things like a, a car repair. And it would come at the perfect time and I said it's not coincidence it's not luck Mm -hmm. Um, it's not being blessed it's part of this amazing way that God works through his people like this is the whole point where I say people go people go well why should we follow Jesus I said the one part of is that I believe it's the best way to live and love and be in this world like following Jesus in his life it's like yeah but there's also this sort of like added bonus of the community, of the greater, you know, brothers and sisters around the world, of all demographics and, and socioeconomic place that we're connected to, mm-hmm. that will send a check at the right time. Because literally they said God woke us up in a dream and said, send it. Yeah. And then like halfway around the world, because we didn't have internet back then, we get in the mail this check yeah. at the right time. And you're like... I didn't even send any, I, we didn't really know <laughs> yeah. them. And like, this is what I think is the beauty mm-hmm. of it. And I think that's what you're saying. And as I get older, I, I see that over and over again, how God uses people to, to you know, help and support, um, you know, my family and me, you know, every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just small miracles. It is, right? Mm-hmm. It really is small. And I think that's what you're saying. It's this, you know, and I think that, when you do help those in poverty or marginalized, it's not just about us helping them, but they are helping us. We're changed. Mm-hmm. What What would you say with that? When you have engaged in people on the margins or those in poverty, how have they changed you or impacted you mm-hmm. in your own life? Yeah, it's it's. I often say it's saved my faith, or it's um, mm. it's. I I'm not sure. I would I wouldn't know, but. I often think that I might, I might have been a young person that left the church if I wasn't able to engage um, with wow. with a side of our faith and and to see that um, justice and compassion have everything to do with the church and faith and following Jesus. And um, those, yeah, that that is the reason why I think I'm so passionate about the church still that I will still continue to engage in the church and stick with my faith um, is because I've seen the power of it in mm-hmm. in the margins and I've seen how God works through um, broken people and works through brokenness in this world to to redeem and to restore 
and because I've seen that, there's no way that I could ever walk <laughs> away from this faith. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, like, what you know, what has it given me? It's given me my life's work. It's given me my passion and my purpose, and I'm so thankful for that. Alyssa, thank you so much for being on the show. You're such an inspiration. I hope young people who are listening and watching are inspired by you. I am, and not just young people, but all people <laughs> are inspired by your passion and your humility and just you, sort of this open-handedness of, of allowing God uh, to direct you and show you uh, what to do. Thank you. Thank you for your life. Thank you for the great work you're doing with Compassion Canada. And I want to see you more on covers of books <laughs> like this. But also, um, great work with this too. I think thank you for this great resource and for the work you do. Awesome. Thank you for having me. Well, that's all the time we have this week. And hopefully, you liked it. I know I'd hit that thumbs up button if I were you. You can also leave a rating on Apple Podcasts, and it helps the show reach way more people. You don't have to give the show five stars, but it's strongly encouraged. Thank you.